Yo everyone, welcome back to Brand New Techish. Abadesi is not here for the intro, unfortunately, but I do call her and she does come in. And um, the audio quality won't be, you know, the normal techish standard, but you'll still enjoy it. And then after that, I answer like frequently asked questions that I found on Twitter for, for the techish people then. Uh, and yeah, so enjoy. So hey everyone, we've got Abba via phone. Superstar Abba, she's here um, in the building. Well, not in the building, on the phone. Um, techish hotline. Techish hotline. Techish hotline. <laughs> yeah. So So I wanted to talk to you about uh, quickly about WeWork. So they, oh. yeah. So their IPO has been cancelled, and I wanted to get your thoughts cancel as culture. to yeah, cancel culture. I wanted to get your thoughts <laughs> as to why this company been busted and not Uber or Lyft. You know, a lot of those companies have lost a lot of value, but this is the one yes. company where everyone's like, no, that's it, we've had enough. Why do you think? I think the biggest thing is that it was just grossly overvalued. Mm. You know, when we think of companies like Uber and Lyft and what they've been able to do, disrupting an entire industry, like completely transforming the way we transport ourselves from A to B. Uber even went into the food delivery space. The incredible amount of data they have on their users to be able to like roll out financial products like the Uber credit card. What you see as proprietary technology and also like market dominance and mm. like new fields. There's something there that still has capacity to keep growing that will keep investors interested. Whereas WeWork, as we said before, when we talked about it in this previous podcast, WeWork's not even a tech company. Mm. It's a property company. For real. They haven't innovated in any industry. They haven't disrupted anything. They used a lot of venture capital to buy up a bunch of real estate. I'm not even going to go into the shadiness of the founder and the fact that there's so little integrity in the actual core values of the company based mm. on how he's behaved. I mean, this is... This is a good thing for society because when companies go public, pension funds go into that, mm. retirement funds go into that. You know, we have institutional investors starting to put up individuals' cash into these big companies. And, you know, it's a house of cards, seriously, seriously, seriously overvalued. And, you know, they say they postponed the IPO to later in the year, but let's face it, this IPO is probably never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. So apparently there's whispers now that Airbnb is going public next year. Do you think this will have any impact on them or do you think they're a completely like different company and they've got something real there? You know, if we just talk about founders alone and the legacies that they've been able to establish in the time that their companies have, have run, putting Adam Newman and Brian Chesky, you know, par on par or like sparring in a boxing match, I don't even think they're comparable. Mm. I don't even think they're comparable. I mean, when you look at some of WeWork's filing papers, how many of Adam Newman's family members were somehow employed by the company on figure, uh, six-figure salaries? Yes, yeah, dodgy as hell. Um, you know, Brian Chesky has been able to do some incredible things at Airbnb. The thing that I find the most powerful was his decision to make his role as CEO also head of community because he wow. identified the fact that unless he as the most powerful and senior person in the organization was not aware and optimizing for things like inclusion and belonging not only in the company but in also a like customer's experience hmm. of using airbnb products that change wouldn't happen so i just feel that like the approach that they're taking on a cultural level within their company is like really really strong but also airbnb has been transformative in identifying a trend in how 
like millennial generations want to travel. Mm. They've identified the fact that people want to spend as much money you know, on experiences, if not more on experiences than material things. And that's why they're trying to, you know, shift towards that. And, you know, the hotel industry have felt the impact of Airbnb. And if that trend continues and Airbnb can continue with that, I do think that 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 is a stock that I would be bullish about. Like, I do think there is potential for growth. And I think they have struck upon something which is quite unique and hard to replicate. You know what? I, I agree with you. I think as a company, it will do great. The irony is, though, is that I have actually, as a user, have become really tired of Airbnb. Like, I don't use it anymore. I prefer hotels. Maybe that's me becoming real bougie in my old age. But, like, I don't know, man. I've been to a few... Why, though? You know when you just go somewhere and you're like, you know, they're trying to teach you how the lock works and you just, you just want to go into your room and just, like, you just you want it to be easy. And I have... I, maybe I've picked bad, like, places to stay. And maybe I'm not... I don't have the, um, you know the due diligence to, to be able to research places and, and you know as a black person sometimes you feel like you're being judged on the platform when you're trying to message like a, a landlord and I know they're, they're doing work on that now and I think that's something that they should really like look into because I have seen like firsthand anecdotally a lot of discriminatory things happen on that platform where like we'll get somebody else to apply for the house and they'll get it and I won't I'm thinking to myself wow that's, that's a huge part of why Brian Chesky made himself the head of the community. And, like, you know, one thing I'll say is, like, Airbnb have done a lot to try and surface, like, higher quality people and, like, create incentives within the way their product is designed to make hosts be good. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you can now be a super host, so you're always going to be top of listings. And I think, of course, if you're, like, super frugal, you're going to find some pretty dodgy stuff on the platform. But if you're happy to spend a bit more, I mean, I will always default to stay at an Airbnb over a hotel where I can. Mm. So the other story I wanted to talk about was, um, you're familiar with Andela, right? Of course. Oh, the layoffs. Yeah, so up to 400 developers have been laid off, um, I think across Nigeria, I think Kenya and um, Uganda. I was... I went to visit them in Uganda while I was there and um, I was really touched by like their work because essentially they were training up a lot of people that were, you know, that didn't have a lot of opportunity and they were making making them developers and getting them positions at big tech companies all over the world. So it was a really amazing thing. But they've basically said they're changing their strategy now where they're looking to work with senior developers. So they're no longer training the, you know, junior developers. And... Um, it's an ongoing trend really isn't it Abba? like people are just nobody wants to work with junior talent anymore everybody wants to work with the senior talent i think it's a, i think it's a difficult one and i think you know we have limited information about this but i suspect that you know just from a business model perspective and and probably thinking about their, their own path to profitability they now have to start thinking about where it makes sense for them to put their focus and you know junior developers with all of the boot camps going around there's actually like quite a lot of supply in Mm. the job market now for people at that level of expertise and where the real struggle is happening is is for senior developers with those more like specific areas of focus whether it's machine learning etc so you know they demand higher wages they have higher valued skills they are in more limited supply and possibly from a business perspective it just makes more sense for them to put that focus on that because since they started there's just been an explosion in the pipeline on the junior end of the scale you can learn to code yourself you can go to boot camps you know more and more companies are even like training people in coding skills Mm. so i just think it, it on an existential level it makes sense for them to do that but of course my heart goes out to the people who've lost out 
Yeah, I hope they all find jobs pretty quickly. Um, it is a sad thing when these type of stuff they happens. They should go on pocket jobs. Go on pocket jobs and uh, you can find something, <laughs> a brand new chapter in your in your life journey. Um, I mean, let's face it, to have that name on your CV is a privilege. It's absolutely. incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was there in Uganda, they were telling me stories of people that who hadn't even interacted with computers. And then within six months to a year, they were, they were trained developers. So I really bought... For sure. <laughs> yeah, I really brought into the to their story and narrative. It's just a shame that these type of things happen, but that's capitalism, unfortunately. You know, the market changes and you've got to adapt, otherwise you're out of business. Um, Don't it- hate the player, hate the game. We want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Founders Academy, a new type of business school for a changing world. Their nine-month zero-tuition alt-MBA program allows professionals to reinvent their careers in London's most dynamic scale-ups, including Bulb, Depop, Oak North, Farm Drop and more. Applications for their first drive are still open. Visit foundersacademy.io to apply today and tell them Techish sent you. Cheers. It's been a big week for Rihanna. <laughs> really? So uh, she debuted her new Savage Fenty collection in New York. It's been hailed as one of the most inclusive fashion shows ever. She had performances from everyone from Migos to Big Sean to Fabulous. Uh, I wish I was there. You can stream it on Amazon Prime. But I, I really think Rihanna is on track to be one of the next black women billionaires because she's building an empire. Fashion is a huge market. And there's so many other places she could go from that. So really, really exciting and big, big things for the culture. Yeah, I think I think that people have been asking her, like, when are you going to go back into the studio and make an album? And it's like, why should she? Like, there's so many more lucrative opportunities, like, outside of music, really. So... More power to exactly. I think, I think she's doing her it's own just, film, her own films as well. They're calling it Fenty Films. So like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's, it's next level. It's the next level. I think I think a lot of these artists are just realizing the brand equity they built up can just be placed in so many other different lucrative industries that like the music is just it's just it's low level marketing now. Like you don't even need it really anymore. Um, exactly, and also like if you think about it from a angle of ownership. You know, when Rihanna releases music as a recording artist, 100% of those proceeds aren't going to her, right? Like, she signed a, she mm-hmm. signed a deal. Most artists these days are making money through touring. And touring right. is exhausting. It is, yeah. So, you know, better to just, like, productize and be a CEO and just, like, expand your brand wherever it can take you. Um, and also, like, you know, the way we're obsessed with influencer marketing right now it's like when you as a celebrity decide to launch a product you already have your channels established you have your unique value proposition established and you have an unfair advantage because there's no other rihanna in the world so from that lean startup (laughs) methodology thinking you're suddenly like holy shit you're onto something completely yeah i mean i have a friend of mine who just got like a record deal as a as a producer and i was asking him about the economics of like being signed and i was like wow you're being ripped off they give you an advance essentially and then like in terms of like the actual record sales he sees very very little of it and i'm just like wow like this music and i'm sure rihanna probably signed a contract i don't know if she's got a new contract but she might have signed one years ago and when she was a you know a less established artist so it probably isn't as lucrative for her, you know, she probably doesn't, like you said, she doesn't own 100% of her music like that. Maybe she does, but I doubt it. Um, so go out there and, and, and own something and, and, and build brands, like why the hell not? Like um, and Yeah, if you're anyone with like a significant social media following and you are not monetizing that somehow in this age with recessions on the horizon, you crazy! You cray cray. <laughs> right, Just cool. sitting on money. Yeah, cool. Right, we'll, we'll leave it at that then. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Um, I feel like I messed. Yeah, so it's our birthday month at Hustle Crew. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! 
Hustle Crew turns three. Wait, when's Pocket's birthday? So we turned four, like September, but I haven't. I've been really bad. I haven't kept track of it to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, we turned so four in September. So we're turning three. You're turning four. But yeah, just to tell everyone who's listening, follow Hustle Crew Live on social media because we're giving away a bunch of things to celebrate our birthday, mm. including free coaching sessions with yours truly, and of course, copies of my book, Dream Big, Hustle Hard. So yeah, just check out Hustle Crew Live and. Bring some of that birthday goodness into your life. Happy birthday, Hustle Crew. I, I think I Thank tweeted you. I tweeted about how like it's amazing. I think Hustle Crew turned three, Pocket turned four, um, Galden Magazine, which is like a, a backstage uh, capital back company, which is like a magazine for women of color, turned four. Whole bunch of oh, companies cool. that just like that are doing stuff related to like community and tech and like inclusion. Mm. They're all turning like three or four. I think we just all rode a wave in that time period like 2015 yeah black lives matter black lives matter happened and then it's like we all just got super fucking woke (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's so many great companies i can't remember all of them i think vite watches galden um uh, code 23 code street amalia like shout out to all those companies that had their birthdays and you know it's not easy easy to stay in business for that long let's keep it real like it's not easy to to stick around like three four years is like 10 years in a career in like a a normal career like just staying alive as a company and also, like, think of how many times, like, we almost died. Yeah. <laughs> we still alive. We bulletproof. So I think about that. We, we like I'm cats. Just like, wow. <laughs> exactly. Because I was just like, if, if I listened to people, Hustle Crew would be dead. Yeah. The number of investors that were like, nah, this will never work. The number of companies that were like, no one's ever going to pay you to address racism and sexism. And it's like, well, I'm glad I didn't listen to them because we're still alive. F you guys to all those people that said that. <laughs> but yeah, cool. Abba, we'll, we'll let you go and um, we'll, check, we'll catch up soon. All right. Peace out, Techish fam. Catch Woo-hoo. us on hashtag Techish. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So the other thing I'm going to do, I'm going to answer questions that I see on our Techish hashtag. So someone was talking about last week's episode about podcasts and they said, you briefly touched on it, but I would like to hear more about the ideal number of hosts um, relying on interview-based format versus chit-chat, technical considerations. So the ideal number of hosts is something that, you know, is personal to each and every listener. But me, I have a preference for at least maybe two hosts, three hosts at best. I think once you go beyond that, it just becomes white noise. I've tried to listen to podcasts where there's like four or five people and... You know, I'm terrible at interrupting Abadesi. I see a lot of the comments, like, and I'm trying my best, actually, because it's something that um, I have to work on. But once you get to the scale of four or five people, everyone's going to be talking over each other, and it's just a complete hot mess. Interview-based first format versus chit-chat. Now, this is another personal preference, and I think all of these are just personal preferences. I don't have the hard and fast answers. I'm not going to start quoting data towards you and saying, okay, do that, do this, do that. Um, but I feel like the interview format is a bit played out. And when I started Techish with Abba, I intentionally didn't want it to be an interview podcast. I feel like interview podcasts get a bit formulaic. They're not necessarily like fluid and organic conversations. It's one person asking another person a question. And I don't even like doing interviews per se. I prefer just to have a conversation. But I mean, it depends. What's your objective with your podcast? If you're trying to um, just to meet people and network and just get to know amazing people, then you have, you have to do an interview format. Um, if you're trying to flesh out a specific topic and you want to do something that's more personality based obviously you're going to have to just do chit chat but yeah that's my personal preference I think also I think five years ago it was a great idea I mean if you look at Tim Ferriss he's built a giant business just off of interviews Joe Rogan giant podcast just off of interviews um, 
but there's only so many people in this world that also merit an interview. Like some people want to interview, you know, me or what. I'm like, bro, bruv, like I don't have that much to say to a certain extent. Like I'm not, you know, Elon Musk. So not, I don't know. It's it's to me it's a personal preference thing. I prefer interview. I prefer chit chat based um, podcast now. Um, technical considerations. Uh, either invest in your own good setup or go to a studio. We use a studio. Um, either or. I think technical considerations are not a big deal. I think that's one of those things that people procrastinate on. And I think it's just something that you just need to, you know, find something that works for you and that allows you to produce good quality audio and just do it. Just do it. <laughs> okay, so there's another question here. How does one approach arrogant software engineers? Um, I'm guessing, is it for your, you're trying to find like a co-founder or are you trying to work with teammates at a company? If it's just trying to work with teammates at a company, I mean... F those guys. There's, that's not an excuse. No one should be arrogant in the workplace. It's, I don't know. Do a Takashi 69 and snitch. Talk to HR and say, these guys are moving like waste, man. Um, but then I haven't really done the corporate thing too much. I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> now, if it comes to like finding a co-founder and you're saying, how do you approach arrogant software engineers to, as a technical co-founder? You don't want to work with them. Listen, being in a co-founder situation, it's like a marriage. And if they're really arrogant from the jump, it's going to be hell on earth. Like humility is such an underrated thing. Like, and you're you're probably actually fortunate that you know they're being arrogant because they've revealed themselves, and you don't really want to work with them. I've seen so many great companies and great ideas die just based off like co-founder relationship and co-founder drama. So, you know, if you're seeing signs from the jump that you know they're not a nice person, yeah, run for the hills. I know you're gonna be like, but I got my app, and I need to build my app, and if I don't do this, my app's not gonna come to fruition, and I'm not gonna be a billionaire. But there's other ways. Another question, someone asked via email, what kind of books are we reading at the moment? So I can't answer Abadesi's one. Um, I have tried to do this thing now where like once a month I pick out a book on a topic that is completely random that I know nothing about. And then another book, which is kind of in my niche, which is either like businessy or like self-help. Um, some people hate self-help books. I, I'm kind of a big fan of them too much to my own annoyance um i do find them helpful um so the one book i was reading recently is called the power of now and it's so cheesy like a homie of mine recommended it and i was like come on bro what is this like um but i stuck with it and i gave it a go and it actually surprisingly is quite enlightening <laughs> um the basic premise of the book is that yo just stay present to the moment and if you do that then a lot of your worries will be gone i mean everything all these self-help stuff you've got to take it with a pinch of salt there is very much that kind of white middle class upper middle class american idea that if you just work hard you can make it and it's obviously of course that's not true and definitely all of the listeners of this podcast know that's not true um but there is something to it where a lot of times we do get stuck in our own heads and we do ruminate about the past and the future and definitely as a ceo i'm super guilty of that and i'm always thinking about you know 10 steps ahead and oh my god that previous meeting i messed it up and whatever whatever um so i have found the power of now very helpful i definitely recommend it um but obviously bear in mind it's very cheesy it's very self-help oprah style you know if you just feel the moment everything will be good but you know i'm of the mindset if there's some value in something just take everything with a pinch of salt and grab the value and run um the other book i'm reading i forgot the title was about essentially it's about china and how they are now um, operating on a global scale they're, they've got this thing called the belt and road initiative which is essentially they're trying to recreate what used to be known as the silk road which is like trading routes from parts of europe to asia to east africa anyways it's like this whole master plan they have and they're going to spend like 10 trillion building infrastructure projects or you know all throughout um asia i, I personally found it fascinating it, it's something you know in the media we often 
very sea, sea of one-sided western-based narrative about china and it was refreshing to read something from their perspective about what they're trying to do um and i'll get to say some of it was damn frightening like essentially there was a port in sri lanka that they um borrowed money to the sri lankan government for them to build and then once they couldn't get repaid they end up taking over the port <laughs> so like some people see this as a form of like new form of colonialism i know if you're from the african continent you've probably have those type of fears and i do have those type of fears as well um interesting tangent actually i saw a tweet somebody i think the person's ethiopian and they were saying how they visited ethiopia and they saw signs in amharic which is a native language in ethiopia english and chinese and they put the chinese in capital letters and were like oh my god i'm so shook there's chinese writing here and i saw that i was like yo but hold on there's english writing here and that's just as foreign as chinese it's like to a certain extent we've been so colonized by the western world that we are, we just take it as a natural thing and if anybody else tries to come in and have influence we get scared it's like no but english and i'm like fam that's not our native tongue so why are you getting so comfortable with that but at the same time as soon as you see something else it's next level anyways i digress but yeah so i think i'm just trying to read books on topics i don't know anything about because bruv it's easy to get arrogant out here if you have a, a bit of success you start thinking you know everything so i'm like okay you know what let me pick something random and if you've got any recommendations for anything random that we, i should learn let me know <laughs> all right cheers yo thank you for listening to techish use the hashtag techish to find us on twitter we can chat and interact on all of that uh, you can support us on our patreon patreon.com slash techish and yeah we'll catch you next week peace